From Yahoo Finance, this is Electionomics. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Thanks so much for joining us on this edition of Electionomics. Today, we are going to talk about how the civil unrest unfolding in our country may impact the presidential election this year. And joining us now to talk about that is Ted Johnson. Uh, He is a senior fellow at the Brennan Center for Justice. And Ted, it's so good to have you with us. Um, There's so much to get to, I almost don't know where to begin, but let me start by asking, in life we say a lot of the time, timing is everything. Mm -hmm. Is the timing, the confluence of this pandemic, the economic recession, the civil unrest, is the timing working in favor or against President Trump? Uh, uh, That's a big question, and it's hard to know the answer. Um, So first, thanks for having me. So uh, what political scientists and historians like to do is look to history to see if there are any clues. And all of us now are talking about 1968 and the riots in the hot summer of 67 into 68. Um, There was a war, unpopular war going on. The incumbent president at the time was not running for office and you had, uh, who was Lyndon Johnson, and you had Richard Nixon, who was running on a platform of law and order uh, for the Republican Party, and you had George Wallace, who was running a third party sort of segregationist ticket for for the South. And Nixon ends up winning that, appealing to the uh, essentially white conservatives who were really uncomfortable with the amount of racial tension and um, anti-war rallies happening around the country, even at the 1968 Democratic National Convention. What does that mean for us today? We don't know because of a few things. One, uh, in political science, we know that usually when white voters are angry, their turnout in election goes up. But black voters, when they're angry, usually uh, protest or find external ways to exert pressure on the political system and not necessarily run to the polls to create change uh, using the the democratic processes available. Um, The other thing in terms of this election, Black turnout is probably going to be what determines whether Trump wins or Biden wins. And because we can't um, assign higher turnout to the current anger that we see, um, we'll have to look towards uh, maybe Biden's VP selection, maybe um, the state of the economy, which is usually a good bellwether on whether the incumbent president stays or not, as to whether um, turnout will be high generally and whether turnout will be high among black voters uh, in particular. Ted, just as a baseline, um, where does President Trump stand with black voters? Uh, I mean, black voters, we normally associate them with the Democratic Party, and Joe Biden is popular uh, among black voters. But Trump has some support among uh, blacks, doesn't he? He does. So he received uh, about 8% of black votes in 2016. Uh, That's 4% from black women and 13% from black men. What Trump will tell you is that he did better with black voters than both Romney and John McCain, the previous two Republican candidates, which is true. The difference is he ran against Hillary Clinton, who was, uh, shall we say, less popular among black voters than Barack Obama, the first black president. So in reality, Trump underperformed every Republican nominee or incumbent for the presidency since Richard Nixon in uh, 68. So he has not improved the prospects for the Republican Party and black voters, despite the change, the seemingly positive change between um, 2012 and 2016. Currently, his unfavorables are extremely high among black voters uh, in the range of 85 to 90 percent. So I don't think the Republican Party or the president can expect anything more than eight or nine percent among black voters. And the question won't be 
whether or not he can increase that to that 8% to 10 or 11%. The question will be whether the black voter turnout, which dropped from 2012 to 2016 by seven points, whether it rebounds at all, because whoever the Democratic nominee is, and we know it's going to be Biden, is going to get at least 89, 90% of the black vote. Uh, so turnout is the bigger question, uh, more so than whether Donald Trump can cut to the share of the Democrats, uh, uh, share of the, of the vote. Is the, mar the margin of turnout among black voters, is, is that significant enough uh, in the swing states? We know it's the you know, six or eight swing states that are going to determine the outcome. Is the margin of turnout among black voters enough to make a difference in those states or some of them anyway? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if we look at uh, 2016, Donald Trump wins Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania by 77,000 votes. And we also know that those three states have high er areas of high black concentration in Milwaukee, Detroit and Philadelphia. And we know turnout among black voters in Michigan and Wisconsin alone was down 12 percent each between 2012 and 2016. So if uh, in 2012, black voter turnout across the country was about 66 and a half percent, and it was down to 59.6 in 2016, if it holds steady or decreases less in those three urban areas I just described, Hillary Clinton is probably the president today. If you extend that and look at North Carolina, which has a significant black population, as well as Florida, which were also both states were pretty closely contested. Biden, if he can increase black turnout, has a chance of winning those five states. And that, of course, would win him the White House, uh, assuming everything else holds constant. You know, one of the big unknowns here, of course, is who is going to be Biden's running mate. And there was talk that it could perhaps be he did say during a, a virtual debate with um, with um, Senator Sanders. We were already virtual at that point, right? They didn't have a live audience there. Um, right. He said, um, but they were in the same room and he said it was going to be a female. So we know that much of the puzzle. And then there was talk, well, who will that female be? There was talk, perhaps Senator Amy Klobuchar of, of um, Minnesota, which comes with its own challenges now that we see what's happening in Minnesota. But there was also talk about a black female, perhaps Kamala Harris. Um, perhaps uh, Susan Rice, uh, who a former, she was with the Obama administration, a, a national security advisor there. What are your thoughts on what Biden needs to do at this point? Would, would having a female black VP help his chances? Uh, so I think the answer is yes. And not just any black female VP. I, I don't think, you know, Stacey Abrams and, and Val Demings and Kamala Harris are not interchangeable. So it has to be the right VP with the right set of experiences, the right ability to mobilize and engage disengaged communities. But I think the, the bigger question the campaign is gonna have to wrestle with is which block of voters is going to deliver them the White House? Is it going to be getting the progressives, the Bernie Sanders supporters off the bench and supporting Biden? Is it going to be winning those white working class Obama Trump voters in the Rust Belt back into the Democratic camp? Or is it going to be increasing black turnout from where it was in 2016. There's no one candidate that does all of those things. We know from poli sci that uh, VPs usually do not deliver their home state or they are not the, uh, the, the tipping point for a, a battleground state. So selecting someone from Michigan and hoping that that selection is going to give you Michigan is not how it works. So what we know about black voting behavior, though, is that black voters that live in highly concentrated areas of, with a black population represented by black local officials or congressional officials will turn out at higher rates when there is a black person on the ticket, on the Democratic ticket. So what that all means is, um, and we can only 
look at this from senatorial races that are statewide as well as gubernatorial races because we've never had, and from Obama, of course, but since we've never had a black VP, some of this is guesswork, but we know that if uh, Biden were to choose a black woman who then engages these states that I just talked about, Mich Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Florida, the black populations in those states, and mobilizes them, ensures the campaign and the party is funding grassroots uh, resources to um, get folks out, registered, et cetera, then black turnout likely goes up and not just by a percentage point or two, which is going to happen in my estimation anyway, just as a, re a rejection of Donald Trump, but maybe three or four points, which again can flip uh, maybe four or five of those states. I don't know that a selection of say Elizabeth Warren in hopes that she brings in the Sanders progressives can create that same uh, advantage. And I don't know whether or not selecting someone like uh, Governor Whitmer from Michigan or Amy Klobuchar can reconvert those Obama Trump voters back to Democratic Party. For every 10 black votes you turn you you get off the couch into the voting booth, nine of them are going to support the president. The net advantage that a black candidate could deliver the campaign if done correctly is uh, just a much more efficient way of trying to win an election than maybe some of the other methods in, in my estimation. So guys, here's my handicapping. Uh, two weeks ago, I thought Amy Klobuchar uh, would have been a good pick for Biden. She's very qualified, Midwestern. Uh, she would be a good compliment to him. I think she's out. I, I don't think she, I don't think she could possibly be the vice presidential nominee anymore because of her record as a prosecutor in Minnesota and just that that she's from Minnesota. I mean, why create you know that sort of controversy? I think it has to be Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, it just it it just fits be way better than anything else. Anybody disagree? I don't. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say the same thing, and I, that was my follow-up question um, to Ted. You know, you said uh, that the right black female vote, woman matters for for VP. You know, and who might that be? So you seem to think it's Kamala. Why? Why Kamala Harris? Yeah. So uh, a few things. Number one, no matter the the race or in, in, given any set of demographics, most voters want the VP to be someone with proven experience to govern. And if you look at Susan Rice, Stacey Abrams, Val Demings, and Kamala Harris, who appear to be the four uh, black females in consideration, black women in consideration, Kamala Harris, as a who's been elected statewide as AG and elected statewide as a senator, seems to have the, the governing experience over the other uh, candidates for consideration. Um, she's Her name recognition is higher than the others because of her presidential run and because of the attention that uh, President Obama, when he was president, uh, you know, um, sort of allowed her to have or, or share the spotlight with her a little bit in some instances. So I think it's her. Um, here, the question though is whether the selection of a black woman will spur racial resentment among white voters and folks that may have decided to vote for Biden may decide to stay home because they don't want to vote for a black woman who they may feel um, it is too in allegiance with Black Lives Matter protesters, for example, or black men uh, may feel that Kamala Harris's AG background and the prosecutions for marijuana possession and or or truancy or some of the things that she just in the enforcement of California law that she did. So there, there's it's even Kamala Harris, even though she seems like the right choice at the moment, is not a slam dunk, and a lot of campaign work and work on behalf on her own behalf uh, in engaging black communities will need to be leveraged if it's going to uh, render the advantages that that seem apparent. But I think among the four considerations, she has the best upside for uh, 
uh, delivering victory for the Biden campaign. So, Ted, are you saying that uh, if uh, Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's running mate, the risk for the Biden campaign is that that could alienate some of the Rust Belt uh, voters they're trying to convert from Trump supporters to Biden supporters? Uh, it's a possibility for sure. I mean, we, we watched um, through surveys, uh, regression analysis of these of these big data sets, how uh, white voters that Obama won in 2008, once he started talking about um, Cambridge police treating the Harvard professor Skip Gates poorly when they had that run in at Skip Gates house when he was trying, he was locked out trying to get in and someone called the police saying there's a black man trying to break into uh, my neighbor's house and it was Skip Gates house. When Obama said the Cambridge police acted stupidly, his support among white voters fell seven points and never recovered for the rest of his presidency. When uh, he said Trayvon Martin could be me or my son, you know, he, he uh, experienced the decline in support among white voters. We've looked at things like Obamacare and how um, folks that register high on the racial resentment index view Obamacare versus the Affordable Care Act. And whenever something is associated with Obama, he sees that there was a drop off in support of policy just through that association. And then we looked at 2016, which areas went from Obama to Trump uh, in the biggest swings, and they tended to be the areas that accepted most uh, Trump's immigration arguments and his um, his view that black teenagers needed more spirit uh, to, to be productive in this economy. So all of that is to say that um, there is a real chance that a re rejecting a black candidate will be part of some voters' calculation. And I don't know that the upside of Kamala Harris in bringing black voters um, back to the polls will negate the downside of white voters with racial resentment staying home uh, altogether or, or continuing their support for Trump. If I am a strategist and I'm not, and if I were in Biden's camp and I'm not, I'm nonpartisan, um, you know, just a political science analyst here, I think the advantage to be gained from increasing black turnout is worth the risk of, uh, of any white voters who may be disenchanted with the selection of a black woman. Huh. Now, we're starting our conversation talking about timing, right? So just before all of the civil unrest and before the death of George Floyd, Biden was on a radio show where he said something very controversial. He scolded African-Americans saying, quote, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. You got a lot of backlash for that. Is something that's going to stick in voters' minds, do you think, specifically black voters, Ted, uh, come, come November? Did that swing the pendulum at all for Joe Biden? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, and so uh, for a few reasons, one, um, black voters writ large tend to be more pragmatic uh, and they are more willing to accept the lesser of two evils than holding out for the I ideal. And so, and in, I mean, this is why black voters essentially catapulted Biden to the nomination, not because ideologically he was most proximate to what black voters believe, which I mean, we're, we're a heterogeneous political block just like the rest of America is, but because um, the perception is he was best positioned to beat Donald Trump. And that alone, uh, as well as his name recognition being the, the uh, first black president's VP, helped him win black voters. Now, this is the same Biden who had issues with busing that came out during the debate, same Biden that gave Anita Hill a hard time during the, the, the confirmation her hearings for Clarence Thomas, same Biden that supported the crime bill in 94, but in the last decade, black voters know Joe Biden as the guy who helped the first black president have two successful terms. He could have used his platform to undermine Obama. He could have used it to um, 
to sort of uh, shine the spotlight on himself in hopes of, of having future success, political success, and he didn't. And that loyalty over the last decade really trumps what he did in the 70s, 80s, and 90s for most black voters. Now, there are younger voters and those who are on the who lean more progressive who may not forgive Biden for that in the same way that many didn't forgive Hillary Clinton for that. But there's the, the you ain't black comment by Biden a couple of weeks ago won't turn off any black voters that weren't already completely turned off. And it, I don't think it harms his prospects at all. The biggest sin was that he spoke to black Americans as if he was a black American, because I can tell you that in, in barbershops across the country, black folks are saying, if you vote for Donald Trump, I got a question, you know, who, 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 you know, your authenticity in a joking way, in the same way Biden did. Um, but he is not in the circle of trust in, in this way. Um, so he just has to be a little bit more careful with his with his words. But he, I don't think oh, he harmed Ted. I like it. <laughs> okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you a little bit on behalf of my son Robert, who's 21 years old. Mm. Uh, he follows all of this on Twitter, like a lot of kids, and on social media. And he said he says to me, Biden totally blew it. My son is white, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. Um, <laughs> he said <laughs> he said Biden totally blew it because uh, Robert follows the show Charlemagne the God. Um, I don't. Robert does. And he said, you know, if Biden hadn't made that stupid statement at the end, he said, that's the only thing anybody's talking about instead of what they actually talked about during what was like an out 45 minute radio interview. But that but now he's you know, he gets he, he talks to young people. And I don't even know if young white or black people are going to vote uh, this time around. But that's that's their view. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that and most of those young people were not Biden supporters prior to those comments. And so I think um, what those what his comment did was solidify the beliefs people had of Biden before, and, or um, and, but I don't think they they changed anyone's views. So for that young voter that was willing to swallow their ideology and vote for the person who they thought best could beat Trump or just the alternative to Trump, I think that person's still going to show up. Um, for folks like your son who probably weren't enchanted with Biden going into a month ago, nothing he's done in that month has, has sort of won them over. And Biden is going to give them many opportunities over the next few weeks to, uh, to point at why if, you know, he's, he's a suboptimal choice. But in the black community in particular, the, I think maybe 55% of voters tend to be over 45 and over half of black voters live in the deep South, which tends to be more moderate uh, higher levels of religiosity. Those are the folks that Biden needs to ensure, mobilize, get folks to the polls and vote because uh, they're going to support him, uh, mostly because he's a Democrat, but also because uh, the, the um, views of Trump among that crowd are just really low. And they're less tolerant. So younger voters may be more accepting of supporting a third party candidate or looking at other ways to exert pressure on the political establishment. But older voters tend to recognize that you have to use all the tools at your disposal and, you, and voting isn't one that you can throw away. Uh, you, you've got to use it, especially when uh, when Trump is so highly unfavored or, or disfavored in, in the community. Are you getting a handle at all on or any any insight into how younger voters might vote this time around, particularly uh, black young voters? I mean, I. Since we're talking about our kids here, Rick, I, you know, I've got an almost 18-year-old. He'll be 18 by the time he's able to vote. This will be the first presidential election he'll be voting in. He's confused, but he's excited to be able to vote. He's still trying to figure it out. Um, 
Are you getting a handle on whether or not this year, especially with the pandemic, and you think so many young people being affected in ways they wouldn't have been in the past? No graduations. Mm -hmm. My son's not having a senior graduation from high school, uh, or at least he's going to have one virtually. But you know what I mean? It's um, mm -hmm. so being affected in a different way. Or you know, are they looking at how the Trump administration is handling this? You know, what's that going to? What might that you know mean for when they go to the polls? Yeah, I'm, so I, I, I do think young voters are going to break in large margins for Biden simply because he's the Democrat and um, and young voters tend to be more uh, liberal, more progressive uh, than older voters writ large. So Joe Biden is going to win the, the under 30 crowd without a doubt. I think the question is uh, twofold. One is turnout. I, I don't we don't know how young voters are going to turn out in this election. In 2008, they turned out at very high levels for Barack Obama, but in 2012 for his reelection, under 30 black and white voters decreased by like nine or 10%. So the excitement that Obama generated in 08 decreased among young voters in 12, either because the historic moment had passed and they sort of felt like they moved on to other things or because they weren't pleased with how Obama governed and felt that he had not delivered on his promise. And so they stayed home. Um, in the black community in 2012, it was 9.7% drop off among black voters under 30, but black voters over 45 overperformed what they did in 2008 in 2012, which helped rescue ensured his, his reelection. So we'll, it remains to be seen uh, on the turnout question. The other is how much um, Donald Trump's presidency inspires young voters to, to not vote for third party. So even if they turn out at high levels, if some percentage of them, five, seven percent, vote for a third party candidate um, as a way of rejecting the establishment on, of the Democratic and the Republican Party, then that could end up helping Trump since most of those young votes would likely have gone to Biden had they stayed within the, the two party system. And we just don't know how much defeating Trump is at is top of mind above all else, including ideology, matters to those young voters. Let me, since you mentioned Obama, I'd love, I'd like to talk about Obama. Um, I, my assumption is he will become a full-throated um, campaigner for Joe Biden at some point. He's obviously been very quiet during uh, Trump's presidency, but I expect him to, to uh, break his fast and um, come out and campaign. So number one, do you think he will do that? And will that be, uh, will it be meaningful? Will it um, help with turnout or help convince, you know, some voters? Will it be uh, somehow helpful to Biden? Um, so I think he absolutely will. Uh, I would I would not be surprised to see him get the um, the keynote speech on the penultimate night of the Democratic convention. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him making visits to churches in Detroit and Philadelphia and throughout North Carolina. What I don't know, and I think he's going to get massive crowds wherever he goes. But on Election Day, well, having seen Obama three and a half weeks ago in a church in Detroit, get voters off the couch to go support Biden. And that is the open question. And this is why, um, based on black voting behavior and my, my own research, why I think a black vice presidential candidate can do for the Biden ticket what Obama, or both the Obamas, Barack and Michelle, won't be able to do on their own, despite how popular they are. And it's because um, they're not going to be governing. governing. After the election, they get to go back to their home and movie deals and book deals and uh, folks are going to be looking to the White House to make life better, recover from the recession that we're currently in, the high unemployment numbers, uh, ensure coronavirus doesn't rebound as soon as the election is over, uh, and, and ensuring um, that the racial tension we see now in the streets doesn't consume all of 2021. 
And the Obamas won't be the leaders ensuring those things, the policies, uh, the enforcement of regulations, et cetera, occur as they should in, in a way that creates a more equitable society. It will be Biden and whatever team he puts together. So I think uh, it will be meaningful for the Obamas to be on the trail because their absence may speak more than uh, their presence. But in terms of turnout, I think the VP selection will probably have a larger effect uh, among black voters than just the Obamas being on the trail. Well, as far as I know, Biden said in August, he's going to announce who his VP is. Is that right, Ted? Is that what you heard? That is, yeah, August 1st is, is uh, sort of like the, the no later than date. All right. Well, hopefully we can let's let's the three of us get together again and talk about <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you, everybody, for being with us for this edition of Electionomics. Always a pleasure to be with all of you. And Ted Johnson, great to have you here, senior fellow Thank at you. the Press Center for, for Justice. Be sure to follow me at Alexis TV News. And me at Rick J. Newman. And Ted, do you want to put your Twitter uh, handle out there? Absolutely. It's Dr. Ted J. D-R-T-E-D-J. Dr. Ted, all right. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure, and we'll see you next time.